Well, if you will turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And we're to the part today where Jesus is giving these illustrations here to the Pharisees of ways that they've missed it. And these are just six illustrations. I think they probably had missed it in a lot of other ways, but Jesus gives us six things. And what had happened was that the Pharisees, over time, had rewritten God's law to be something that they could keep. And because they kept the law that they had rewritten, they considered themselves righteous. So here comes Jesus to say, "Uh uh-uh, no, this is what you have heard, this is what God says. And so verses 33 through 37 are about keeping vows, about oaths. So let's read these and then we'll see if we can unpack it a little bit. Chapter 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, and anything beyond these is of evil. An oath is making a statement and calling God to be a witness to the truth of the statement. Um, We do it in a lot of different ways. It's kind of the synonym of to swear. So swearing and an oath are kind of the same thing. And so um, we hear people say, maybe we've said, I swear to God, this is the truth. Well, that's what he's talking about here. Or um, with God is my witness, so-and-so-and-so-and-so is the truth. And so if you're a witness in a court, what are you going to do? I guess they still do it. You put your hand on the Bible and you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. So at a wedding, you hear, before God and these witnesses, I pronounce you man and wife, or husband and wife. So oaths were, are a significant part. They are a significant part of the Old Testament. So two things governed oaths uh, in the Old Testament. Number one, they didn't use them frivolously or carelessly. And number two, you only swore by the name of God. So hold those two things in your mind. Don't be careless with them and only swear by the name of God. Now, there are times in the Old Testament when God himself would verify the validity of his word with an oath. Now, God never tells a lie, but God accommodated humans okay look at Hebrews just for a minute Hebrews chapter 6 let's just do this Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 now just this is recounting the Old Testament so look what he says Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 
For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he, God, swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And thus, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to their heirs of the promise of the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, in order that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement, we who have fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope set before us. So God knows that humans are sinners, and sometimes we need affirmation of our truthfulness. And so what God is doing here is he's giving something to bind us to speak the truth in serious settings. In serious settings. So when Jesus, even in the New Testament, sometimes he'll say verily, or sometimes he'll say verily, verily. Um, heard a child say one time, well, when he says verily, verily, he means it, right? Well, he means it anyway, doesn't he? Why is he using verily and verily, 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 verily? He's getting our attention, isn't he? He's doing that for us. And so we don't have to have an oath to trust the Lord when he does this, it emphasizes the urgency and the significance of the situation. And it's not that God's not ever not serious. He's letting us know how serious he is when he does that. So an oath is simply calling God to testify to the truth of something. Now, uh, in, in these days, people feared God. It was a very different culture different set of circumstances and so these people feared God and so it was a good way to bind man's word so that when they used God's name to promise something or to uh, assure something it was serious it was a done deal um, numbers chapter 30 and verse 2 says this if a man vows a vow to the Lord and swears an oath to bind his soul with the bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that has proceeded out of his mouth. So God says, do this, and when you do it, mean it and keep it. Mean it and keep it. Now, we're sinners, and we have a basic lying nature. And we tend to question and distrust each other, don't we? And the longer we live, the more reason we seem to have to do that, right? So in serious situations, there can be necessary oaths. And God allows for it. So I'm telling you all this so you'll understand what Jesus is really saying here. I want to just take a moment because it's the beginning of Holy Week. And I want to show you an example of someone who lied with an oath. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 26. Beginning in verse 59. Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order that they might put him to death. 
and they did not find any. Even though many false witnesses came forward, but later on two came forward and said, this man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said to him, do you make no answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. See that? There's an oath. That you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nonetheless, I tell you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robe, saying, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered and said, He is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists and slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? Now here we go, watch it. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a certain servant girl came and said to him, You are with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 72. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. Is he telling the truth? No. Verse 73. And a little later the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them. For the way you talk gives you away. And then Peter began to curse and swear. And we'll look at that, but that's an oath. I do not know the man. And immediately a cock crowed. And Peter remembered the words which Jesus had said. Before a cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So first Peter said... I don't know what you're talking about. Secondly, he denied it with an oath. And so what he's saying, God is my witness that I don't know Christ. So you see how strong oaths were in this culture and to these people. But then thirdly, it says he began to curse and swear. But that's not profanity and dirty language. He's saying, God is my witness. I swear to God I don't know Christ. That's what he's saying. And he says, basically, may God curse me if I'm not telling you the truth. Ooh, that was dumb. Right? So it was bad to lie. It was worse to confirm the lie by invoking God as a witness to its truthfulness. He knew what he had done. And that's a whole lot to do with why he went out and wept bitterly. And then the cock crowed just before he wept. So oaths were not uncommon. It was um, the supreme oath in the Old Testament. You see it in over and over. As the Lord liveth. That's an oath. As the Lord liveth. So remember, there are two things in the Old Testament. Hold this thought. Two things. 
swearing or making oaths only in God's name and only for very serious occasions. Only in God's name and only for serious occasions. Now turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, and let's go to chapter 6 first. Chapter 6 and verse 13. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. So oaths by his name, not by names of other gods or other things. Okay, because only God is associated with truth. So now turn over to chapter 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10. In verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. Look at the book of uh, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65. And verse 16. Because he who is blessed in the earth shall be blessed by the God of truth. And he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my sight. So you see the Old Testament is consistent with this. Jeremiah, and then this will be the last one. Jeremiah chapter 12. And verse 16. Then it will come about that if they will really learn the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they will be built up in the midst of my people. So you see the gist of this here is you can't swear by the name of Baal. You can't swear by other things, only by the name of the Lord. So the Bible says that he will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain, right? So it's a careless using of the name of God uh, that part of this is about. Now go back to Matthew chapter 5. What were the Pharisees teaching? Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus says what? Verse 33. Again you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. The Pharisees never taught that swearing was only on special occasions. So see, that's different from the Old Testament. They never thought that it was just for special occasions. Never taught when oaths were proper. And so this led to all of this frivolous, careless swearing. They were doing it everywhere, all the time. And so they were swearing oaths for every little thing through every day. And it was very glib. It was a matter of common conversation. And so they just used these oaths constantly for everything. Is that what the Old Testament said? No. So you see how the Pharisees have diluted 
the law of God. And so these people also would swear by heaven and swear by earth. If they had some sense of, of not wanting to swear by the name of God, it would be, well, I swear by the church steeple. Or I swear by the city of Jerusalem. Or I swear by all of these good-sounding things. I swear by the temple. I hadn't figured out yet where they get this, I swear by my own head, but that was one of them. Okay? And so they would go out then, and if, so they thought if they swore in that way, they didn't have to do what they said. They didn't, they didn't have to be committed to anything. And so you'll notice the phrase here, unto the Lord, and that was the catch. Okay? Your vows to the Lord. You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. And so that was their catchphrase. And if you swore unto the Lord, you had to do it. But if you swore by anything else, you didn't have to do what you said. That's how they were getting out of it. So you, you remember when you were a kid, you tell somebody something, but you were crossing your fingers? Same thing. Same thing. And so... They said, if you don't swear to the Lord, you don't have to keep it. So they would say, I swear by heaven or I swear by this or that. And the opposite of what they said, then they thought they could do. So that's how they distorted the Old Testament teaching. They had no sense of guilt because they didn't swear by the name of the Lord. So they invented this system by which they could claim to be righteous because they kept that law all right so verse 34 jesus said i say to you just don't make an oath at all don't make an oath at all either by heaven for it is the throne of god or by the earth for it is the footstool of his feet or by jerusalem for it is the city of the great king nor shall you make an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black but let your statement be yes yes or no no anything beyond either one of these is evil now there are no degrees of truth if i say well it's a little bit true then it's really what a lie okay um, there are no degrees of of truth and so something is either true or it's not true. A half-truth is a whole lie, right? And so this is partly what Jesus is getting at here. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 22 says, There are six things the Lord hates. This is a fascinating list. I don't know if you've ever spent time with this. There are six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven. The first is a proud look. The second is a lying tongue proud look and a lying tongue so people of the kingdom and remember jesus is talking about the kingdom of god in this sermon and he's describing what the kingdom of god is like and so we say that people in god's kingdom hate lies hate lying so jesus says you know what don't swear at all in the manner in which you are accustomed. Don't swear like you see everybody else swearing. Don't do it as a way of life. Don't be careless in your swearing because Old Testament says what? Swearing is only for serious occasions. 
when you have to take an oath to speak in court, when you take an oath to get married, those are serious occasions. And so he says, you keep the oath for solemn occasions. And there are going to be times when you're going to need to use that because it affirms truth before God anyway, it's supposed to. So he says, let your habit, let your daily life just be yes and no. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, we'd say, let your word be your bond. Have you ever heard that? And there are some people I know, if they tell me something, I don't have to worry about anything. They're going to do it. And so that's what Jesus is saying. So there are times when invoking God's name is the right thing because of the seriousness of the matter. So Jesus is not saying, don't ever do that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when you do it, do it correctly. Let your word be your bond. So God is the father of truth. And when we open our mouths as God's people, what needs to come out? Truth. And we need to cling to that. That needs to be our pattern of life. Now, I need to hasten to say, he says also in another place, speak the truth in love. Okay, that doesn't give me the right to bless somebody out with the truth. He says, you're going to be careful about this. Um, he just says, keep your word. Keep your word. Keep your promises. Uh, when we were born into the kingdom, God washed all of our lives away by the blood of Christ. I think one of the things that this study is doing for me in my own heart is to realize what all Jesus has forgiven. How far grace covers. How much grace there is. What all his blood on the cross cleansed. Past, present, and future sins. Gone. And that includes lies. And so when we were born into the kingdom, we were washed. We need to spend time meditating on that every day and thanking God for that. It's who he says we are. It's what he says he did. So he's talking here about conversation, about keeping our word, about keeping conversation. And so we just need to be careful with our tongues. There's a whole lot of other stuff in the New Testament about that. If you've ever heard the old line, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, that ain't so. Not the truth. Somebody may wish it were true, but it's not. Anybody in here ever been hurt by words? So you know it's not so. The Lord hears all of our words. Now, we're going to mess up daily, frequently. But he says, you know what? When you realize you've done that, what are you going to do? You're going to take it to the Lord, and you may need to go ask forgiveness from whomever you said it to. We want to think sometimes that life is compartmentalized. That in church, I'm going to use this language. Or in front of these people, I've got this vocabulary. But when I get to work, or when I get on the ball field, then the language changes. And Jesus is saying, mm -mm. not if you're kingdom people. God is involved in every part of our lives. Not some, but not others. 
And those closets in our lives where we want to keep God out are going to get us in trouble. So those are the kinds of things Jesus is addressing here. There's not, there's not just all of these different things, and I'm going to choose Christ here and here and here and here, but all the rest of this is going to be my business. It ain't going to work. So God is everywhere in our lives, in every action, and all through life, and in every activity of life. As his people, we are accountable to him for what we say, for what we think, for what we look at, for what we do. And as his people, it is our job to see if it lines up with the true word of God, not what Pharisees through the ages, and I use that term lightly because people who are not Jews, not Pharisees, do the same thing where we want to dilute the word of God and say, oh, that can't be true today. Yes, it is. This is the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God that is good for every century as long as the earth lasts. It's here. So he says, when you need to take a vow, do it carefully. And do it before the Lord, understanding that the God we serve is a God of truth.